Welcome to the Spiritual Exercises. I'm Rachel Amaday. Thank you for being here with me on this special holiday uh, installment, basically, of the Spiritual Exercises. I think that this time of year is a really fascinating time to reflect and to look at where we are and also to reflect on our spiritual position before the Lord regarding our relationship to our nation, um, to uh, how we interact with other people politically, et cetera, et cetera. Before we dig into the two sides of the coin that I wanted to talk about today um, when it comes to faith and politics. Uh, I just wanted to give you a quick update about the direction that this podcast is heading. So I'm super excited about the upcoming guests we're going to have on. Um, we're going to continue in the health series as well as the lockdown series. Um, and we are also just going to be having great biblical conversations with some folks upcoming. I'm super excited about it. I am going to be changing the podcast to a totally free podcast for everybody. Hopefully I can easily make that shift for everybody. I've been thinking about this for a while and uh, because you are loyal listeners and followers, I can explain to you my, a little bit about my dilemma at the moment. So I had intended on building this podcast into something that would um, be able to replace a part of my income so that I could spend more time on the podcast. Here's what kind of ended up happening just as life does. Um, there were a lot of needs that came up for my kids. Um, don't need to be specific about that, but just a lot more time and financial investment than I was planning on in the last six months. Uh, I have been homeschooling one of my children. So mom life comes first, and I put that first and foremost. And so taking care of my kids, um, I have to put secondarily then the income that I do make to help support our family and to help support we live in, you know, a very expensive place called the state of Colorado. And this is where we feel like we have been called to right now. So um, I do other side jobs. I do other work in order to support our family. And so I have to get those things done. And what ended up happening with the podcast was this balance of I either get the content completed or I spend time on marketing. <laughs> For me, it's so much more important to get the content completed. And so because I want to provide great content, I want to have a great backlog for y'all to go back to, to remind you of some of the things that um, I've been able to learn and share with you all in the last year. And so I've been spending my my all my extra time outside of motherhood and the main work that I do need to do on creating the content, which leaves me absolutely no time to market this thing in a way that would make it financially sustainable for me. So what I've decided to do is, hey, that's the state that I'm in right now. That's the position I'm in. I'm going to go with the flow. And um, so I'm going to, especially since uh, I also only have time to create one or two pieces of content every week. And my goal for the paid subscribers was to get you at least three things every week, if not more content and more musical content. The songs that I create take hours and hours and hours of time, guys. Sometimes they take days of time. And so um, I just have not been able to do that given our life situation in the last six to eight months. That's the honest truth. Uh, I'm just coming to you with the reality. So 
you're all going to get this for free. Every piece of content that I make, every interview, I'm going to go back to a free um, subscription, a free free option for just everybody for right now. That is what I feel uh, morally um, comfortable with. And I hope you are, I'm sure you're going to be okay with that. That's going to be more for you. And, you know, even though some of you were at the $5 a month level, that's not a lot of money. I just felt like I couldn't provide what I had promised for that level. So we're going to move you back to free and you're going to still get all the, all the content for free, all the interviews, um, every, everything that I do you'll get. And when I have the time to get back on this or when God provides a route to market this in a way where it could be more self-sustaining and I could give up some of the other work that I do to work just on this, I'll be letting you know, I'll go back to that. Um, and maybe you could be in prayer for me because I would love to just just do Bible study and Bible teaching and Bible work. I wish that was the only thing that I could do. That's my dream. So I would love prayer for that. And I am sure you all have dreams that you're working on as well. Um, I'm here to pray for you. Please reach out to me. I would be happy to add you to my prayer request list. All right, let's get into our 4th of July content. So this is an interesting topic, faith and politics. I have a section of this in my book. I can tell you that my views on this shift and change as often as the political landscape changes. Um, it's very, very hard to understand the balance between engaging politically in a way that is healthy, in a way that reflects your faith, while not getting into useless arguments and and um, um, silly moments that instead of drawing people to the Lord, uh, you know, push people away actually from what your belief system might be based on your political stances. This is almost, it feels just like an impossible task in this nation, doesn't it? It seems never more so than during a time period, which I think we've experienced the last few years with a, a very challenging presidency, a very challenging position as a nation internationally, a lot of corruption, a lot of scandals, a lot of confusion, new wars that we we don't understand exactly what's going on, where, where the money is going. Are we helping? Are we hurting? Um, I, I just feel like we've lost trust in the media, so we don't really know the full story. There's a story that came out today that cocaine was found in the White House, and um, it's being confirmed by multiple different news outlets. We've got uh, issues we know with um, our president's son. Morally, um, we have issues in this country. We think about the fact that there are 40 million uh, human slaves in the world right now, and most of them, or half of them, are sex slaves. And this country is one of the greatest sellers of human beings right now. People don't understand this. We we think that we are uh, so decent, so good, so righteous, so right as a country. Um, but here's the problem. Here's something a lot of Christians have forgotten, and a lot of bad biblical teaching has gone out. You know, there was a lot of Bible teaching discussing the fact that the United States is the new Israel, and we're somehow the new replacement, and we we are, um, you know, a country that that God favors more than everybody else, and some odd odd biblical teachings have gone out. Guys, these are wrong. This is not true. The Lord cares about all nations. He cares about all people. And by the way, there is no replacement country for Israel. We're not the new Jerusalem. This is not biblical. And because of some of these views of America, we have too often intertwined America 
as a country into our faith as believers. And while you can love your country, by the way, I just want to say thank you. I, I have family who was in the military, and um, I think about some of their stories and their sacrifice. It gets right to my heart every single time I think about it. We are so blessed to have had so many righteous people that have served our country and done amazing things on our nation's behalf. And I think those folks are going to be in agreement with me in the levels of disappointment that if you believed that this was the new Jerusalem and the replacement in Israel, you're going to be real disappointed with our country right now, right? <laughs> like, what direction is are we heading? Not a good one. And um, I think that we need to understand, listen, all nations God cares about. In fact, I was just reading in Deuteronomy how the Lord told Israel. So think about this. I want you to really consider this. As Israel was heading to the promised land, God tells them as they get to the area that is the land of the descendants of Lot and the land of the descendants of Esau, God says to them, do not touch this land. Do not fight with these peoples over it. If you take any water or food from them, you are to pay fully in full for it. There is to be no conquest of these peoples in these lands. God says, he literally says this in Deuteronomy, I gave them these lands. They're not yours. Interesting, because we kind of have descended from a British and Roman Empire view of things, that if you control the whole world, you know, this is a good thing. You want the good guys controlling everything. And, you know, but the nation of Israel was the good guys. And yet God said, no, 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 there are lands and peoples that do not belong to you. I have separated out a land for you. It's the promised land. It's not all of the land. It's not the whole world. In this section of scripture, God is actually taking taking an anti-imperialistic approach. This is a political statement by the Lord that he doesn't even want the nation of Israel to be going and imperialistically taking over other lands. So fascinating, right? And so nations and peoples are things that God cares about, and he doesn't care about one more than the other. He said, this is basically the blanket statement. He wanted them to treat these people with dignity and respect, to respect their boundaries, their land, and to allow them to have it. And I think this is something that America perhaps has forgotten after World War II. This is not a part of the Bible America has paid much attention to. We have seemed to go out and get involved with all sorts of other nations and countries, um, much many uh, unduly, right? Many in ways that have had negative lasting impacts. Those statements aside, you can see those as political statements. You can disagree with me if you'd like, but um, those statements aside, God actually cares about all nations. And so he, he doesn't care about us more than he cares about the Japanese. He doesn't care about us more than he cares about the Chinese. He cares about all people. We need to keep this in mind as we approach our political stances and our view um, of our nation as we celebrate our freedoms. Now, no doubt in my mind, and we're going to talk about this right here, I want to give the, the really beautiful ways that we can appreciate the 4th of July. Uh, I do want to address one one more question here. Some of you have asked this. My children have asked this. Well, why do we celebrate the 4th of July, but we don't celebrate Halloween? Or why would we celebrate Memorial Day, and yet we don't observe um, uh, Christmas, you know, in my home? 
And the simple answer is the 4th of July is not a holiday dedicated to the God of the Bible, right? We're not saying, Lord, this is your holiday and you gave it to us and this is part of our religious practice. No, this is a national holiday and it's part of our um, national practice and it doesn't have to do with the Bible and we're not ascribing biblical attributes to it. We are saying that we are so appreciative of the land that we have been given, of the freedoms that we have. I will, I will declare to you all day long, I am one of the luckiest women that has ever lived. I, I get to be in a society where um, I get to have a voice, I get to have an education, I get to eat food every day, I, I, I get to have all of these beautiful freedoms. 99% of women globally, historically, have not had these. Now, come on. How can you not be grateful for that? How can you not look back and say, wow, I really do believe that our founders understood something about the biblical principles that God put in place and that their wisdom. And because of that, our constitution has been sustained for hundreds of years. Um, remember, most other constitutions don't even last two decades. But because our founders looked to the Bible for their wisdom, I believe they were able to create a fairly lasting document and fairly lasting ideas that, when adopted, really promote freedom for people, and most importantly, in my opinion, freedom of religion. The ability to praise the Lord publicly, the ability to gather communally. We have these beautiful advantages in this country, and uh, we don't have to live lives of secrecy and fear. At least, not we haven't. <laughs> we, we haven't. Um, so I'm grateful. And I think there's a lot to be grateful for. And I, I want to talk about the fact that our founders really did believe in the God of the Bible. Did they always act out their beliefs? I don't think so. I'm not sure about that. But they certainly put these ideas into practice when they were founding the country. And I want to read to you some quotes that I've put in my book. My book, by the way, is called Jesus Was Not a Modern Day Christian. And I have a section on faith and politics where I discuss the tension for the believer of allowing your faith to speak into your political activity and into how you approach politics. But then on the other side, not allowing the politics to speak into your faith. Okay, there's a one there's a one way, one way street that this should be going. Your faith can speak into your politics. Do not let politics speak into your faith. It cannot go the opposite direction. You get into dangerous territory. But anyways, I'm going to I'm going to read to you some quotes that I put into my book here. This is from John Adams. It says from a letter to Thomas Jefferson, June 28, 1813, he said, "Now I will avow that I then believe and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God, and that those principles of liberty are as unalterable as human nature and our terrestrial mundane system." And he's right. What we see from the Bible is a really psychologically sound view of humanity and a way to approach it that uh, promotes healthy behavior instead of promoting negative behavior. Thomas Jefferson, uh, this is excerpted from multiple sources, a summary of vice of the rights of British America, notes on the states of Virginia and the autobiography uh, letter to George Wythe, 1790, and Letter to George Washington, 1786. Says this, God who gave us life gave us liberty. 
And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are of the gift of God, that they are not to be violated but with his wrath? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and his justice cannot sleep forever. Interesting. Uh, So he is giving this attribute of justice to a greater being something that we should be deadly serious about today because God does judge nations as well as individuals. Jay Madison, in his letter to William Bradford, November 9th, 1772, said this, A watchful eye must be kept on ourselves, lest while we are building uh, ideal monuments of renown and bliss here, we neglect to have our names enrolled in the annals of heaven. Mm. Kind of what I want to discuss today, actually, right there. Um, Alexander Hamilton from America's God and Country says this, I have carefully examined the evidences of the Christian religion, and if I was sitting as a juror upon its authenticity, I would unhesitatingly give my verdict in its favor. And you can go on and on, quotes from the founders about their belief in God, their appreciation for the Bible, etc., etc. There's some real wisdom there. Despite the fact that these founders were flawed people, Their ideas promoted ideals that I think are found in scripture. And so many of our laws, I actually was in a conversation online with someone where she said, keep your biblical ideas out of our legislation and out of our schools. And I said, well, that's going to be tough if you are against bullying, if you are against rape, if you are against abuses of power, if you are against even abuses of the monetary system, by the monetary system, then you are in alignment with scripture. And that is scripture speaking into legislation and school systems. And so unfortunately, you don't want to keep the Bible out of these things. You want the Bible to be directly in the center of them because the Bible can directly affect uh, how well things go in schools and in legislation and everywhere else. The Bible is psychologically sound. It gives good, solid advice. So as we watch our nation kind of move away from the Bible, this poses a huge problem for the Christian nationalist or again, for those who believe that we are some sort of replacement for Israel, um, those even those who believe in dispensationalism, we have a problem and we have to address this full force. And, and one thing that I have been really considering in the last year is the Christian approach to politics. How well are we doing this? And what are we doing with people online and in person in our discussions? The more that I see people debate politics, the more I'm convinced there is not a political solution to our ills. There's only a spiritual solution. If we do not come back to the Lord spiritually as a nation, there is nothing we are going to do politically that will change the direction this train is heading. It must be spiritual and God must decide to allow us to continue to receive blessings and as a nation. And if he doesn't want to, and if the people don't go before him in petition, and if we're not willing to repent and change, we won't. I just don't see any other way. When Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual realm, the principalities, he was so right on. And I think maybe for the first time in a while, believers are once again confronted with this. We once again understand this. 
as we're looking around at what's happening in our schools, what's happening in our culture, what's happened in the media, and what's happened in our politics. Listen, since the end of World War II, I fully believe our politicians have been compromised left and right, both sides of the aisle, and have been doing things to keep power and to keep money more than they have been serving their constituents on average, right? On average. And it just seems to be getting worse. This is a spiritual problem. You know, you get the leaders that you deserve, right? As a nation. And so it will, it's a spiritual solution. So here's my suggestion. Pray about every single conversation that you have. Pray about every single moment where you're about to disagree with someone politically and go down that rabbit trail instead of approaching them spiritually. Pray, you know, if you're someone involved in politics. And I know my family in the past has been very political. We've had a lot of people involved in politics. Pray about taking that step and what it's supposed to look like. What are you going to do? And and is this something God really wants you to participate in and be doing? Are you the right person at the right time in the right place? Are you the answer to prayer, right? Or are you just getting involved in something that is so personal for you? Because I think what has happened in this country is politics has replaced religion. You definitely see this in certain segments and communities, right? Where there's such a religious aspect to a lot of what's going on in, let's say, the LGBTQ community. These things that we see out of their community, even their symbols, are very ancient and are very much attached to the ancient goddess Ishtar. And lots and lots of pagan worshipers did the things we're seeing the LGBTQ plus community do today. And so we shouldn't be surprised. These are not new things. These are old things. And they are attached to religion, despite all of the protestations against the idea that they're religious or, you know, even this concept that it's atheistic. Well, the problem is we're made to worship something. And so as human beings, whatever we're most passionate about and whatever we bow down to, basically whatever rules we decide to follow, that is our religion. So in that community, they have their own set of rules. By the way, I think their rules are not freeing. I think we should have great compassion for people in that community, not for those who are doing great evils in it. I'm not saying that they should not be brought to justice, but I'm saying we should have compassion for people who have found themselves in those places in that community because the rules and the standards for the people in that community and what they have to promote and abide by are really awful. I mean, I think about all of the freedom that I have in Christ and how his things have freed me in mentally, physically, spiritually, and have healed me. And then you go look to that community and they're cutting off kids' body parts and they're promoting uh, horrible hormonal shifts that are hard on their body, that are not healing, that are in fact damaging and mutilating. Can you imagine if that's the community you're in, that those are the things being promoted to your community as health and wellness, and all they're doing is damaging you at the cellular level? Guys, that's a hard place to be. And if you don't see that as religious, you have missed it. You are missing what's going on spiritually. And what is the believer called to in this? Are we called to condemn them? Because believe me, their community has already put them in a place of condemnation and difficulty and challenge and pain and suffering and abuse. You guys, we can't be those people. 
we have got to be a people who doesn't, we should never support mutilation of human, of human beings. Never. You don't have to go out and say that you're in support of the community. What you need to do is say that you love these people and behave like it. So that's one place where I think Christians are missing the boat a little bit. Instead of saying, we love you so much, we just want you to live in the truth and freedom that we know Christ offers. We just want you to be free. We want you to be healthy. We want you to love who you've been made to be. We want you to love your destiny. We want you to love yourself. We don't want you to struggle anymore with your identity as a gender because you have a greater identity that calls you into greater activity on the earth. You're supposed to be doing good. And instead you are caught up in destruction. And we are not about that. We love you too much, right? The approach, right? What is our political approach here? Protecting kids? Absolutely. You know, I love all the parents out there fighting for their kids and their school systems and having real discussions about this stuff. But Please don't forget, this is a spiritual battle. If you only fight it politically, let me tell you, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. As Paul states, there are principalities over this behavior. There are principalities over these things that are powerful. And by the way, you're not stronger than these fallen angels and you're not smarter than them, but the Lord God Almighty is. So we need to go to him first in every one of our political discussions. And we need to stop being so... um attached to our political movements and our uh, political names, right? Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, all of these things right now, I believe, are to keep you embroiled in political discussions and debates and to keep you away from paying attention to the spiritual position of all of this and where you are supposed to be landing. We need to be preparing to be a people uh, that can be taking care of caretakers during difficult times. Food production. I'm very passionate about this. We have been violating God's laws with food for a long time. And we need to start paying attention to that and spreading the message. Hey, let's learn how to find healthy, clean food again, or grow it ourselves. Let's be a place where people who are poor, we can provide for them. People who are in need, we have an option for them. I love that we have we have friends who have given cars away to people, who have restored cars for people for free. They, they just have this gift of giving. Boy, isn't that a testimony of who the Lord God is? Isn't that so much better than getting online and fighting with people? I would say yes, right? There is a spiritual battle in all of these locations, but I feel that oftentimes Christianity has approached it wrong. And I've called out Christian leadership, you know, uh, time and again in the past, but you know, I'm even starting to believe that those discussions are useless and fruitless. And number one, because people don't seem to change their minds, they're not in a place to, they're not, uh, you know, humble enough to accept anybody else's opinions. And they're just not interested, right? If you've promote, if you have a big platform, and all of your money, and all of that you do comes from that, 
Bible teaching platform and you are getting things wrong, it's going to be very hard for you to admit that you've got those things wrong because you have people paying you to get things right. So it's a problematic place. It's one other motivator that I have right now to remove any monetary portion of my Substack. You know, if God doesn't want to build that into a ministry that's sustaining for me and my family, then God's going to provide other work and I'm just going to get to do this for free. You know, kind of like Paul, he was a prayer shawl maker, and then he did his ministry for free. I dream of that day where I can do all my ministry for free uh, because I really believe that it gives you the opportunity to tell the truth, to be wrong sometimes. Boy, does it open you up and free you. Um, but we have we even have had spiritual leaders in the last three years that got that jumped on the COVID and vaccination bandwagon and were telling their people what to do with masks and vaccination based on godly love. And they turned out to be absolutely wrong and spiritually deprived people of the opportunity to stand out as believers in the culture and to offer kindness and love to others while still standing for a righteous behavior towards your body and your mind and a protective stance towards your body and your mind in a culture that is constantly trying to fragment your body and your mind. You know, those fragmentations are absolutely from the pit of hell. But we had plenty of people get involved in the politics of that. Plenty of spiritual leaders get involved in the politics of that. And now, now we've created schisms. We've created a lack of trust. So it's very easy for us to get things wrong politically. And then can people trust our spiritual view? So I'm just saying to you today, as you celebrate the 4th of July, you celebrate your freedoms. You're grateful to God for the nation you were born in. Also, on the other side of the coin, your true allegiance is not to America. Yes, you can pledge allegiance to America. You can love her. But if your first allegiance isn't to the Lord God Almighty, you have missed it completely. Do not cross those two things over. Do not mix them. They don't belong together. You are part of Rome. You're in Rome, right? You are in one of these, you know, ancient empires, be in it, but not of it. We shouldn't be acting like Rome. The Republicans and the Democrats are going to fight with each other forever. And yes, I have my opinions about which of those parties is more right more often. But boy, do we get disappointed, right? Boy, do those people let us down and do things behind closed doors that we are grieved over. We can't believe we have the corruption in leadership that we have. Yeah, I have opinions about what economies do better and what kind of economic systems are healthier for people based on human psychology. Sure, I do. But the only political system promoted in scripture is a theocracy. It was what God promoted to Israel that he is going to lead. And someday when Jesus returns, he will lead and it will be his laws, and it will be his ways or the highway. In fact, there's a discussion in prophecy in scripture that if a man from each home does not show up in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles every year, that that land that you are from receives no rain. 
Okay, your crops won't be able to grow. Jesus will have authority on the earth. He will be reigning his way or the highway. Man, it's a big deal to not have your crops grow for a year because you didn't send somebody to God's wedding celebration. By the way, Feast of Sukkot is the wedding celebration. Okay, it's the tabernacling with the Lord. You're not willing to submit to him. There will be consequences. That's the only political system the Bible actually promotes. Now, subtly, the Bible promotes other types of economic systems just based on the laws of God. And you can read those and understand God loves choice. He loves freedom. He knows people are sinful. So I think, you know, you can understand that authoritarian systems can go very bad for large amounts of people for a very long amount of time. Um, God does not like envy. He doesn't like uh, greed. He doesn't like it when we look at our neighbor and we want to take them down or take their things. And so you can apply a lot about economic systems based on God's principles. But there's only one political system that God is is truly for, and it's the one where he's in control and he's in charge. He's the only one who can actually do it perfectly, right? He's the only one that can perfect our earth, who can restore it and restore to us what he originally intended for us. And so that makes a lot of sense. So as we are, you know, pledging allegiance to all sorts of different political parties and different political systems, sometimes we are overlooking the heart of the matter. And the heart and the truth is we need to teach our children about God's system. And we need to live like we're already part of his kingdom. And his kingdom will reign forever and ever, even if the United States falls, which is likely given human history and the course of human events. There have been very few countries that have made it past this time frame that we have with the same system and the same governance and no problems, right? So listen. Unfortunately, if you're pledging allegiance to this country above your Lord and Savior, you are going to be disappointed. And not only that, but your testimony is going to be compromised. I believe that God has a higher calling for his people. When you enter the kingdom of heaven, when you enter and you you receive the Lord's DNA, Rome fades in the background, Right. And, and we see this with the disciples, and we see this with Yeshua. They did their work in spite of what the Roman laws were, you know, not in, in conflict, not seeking out conflict, but they were respectful, right, of legal precedents. And in Paul and Peter were brilliant at discussing this, but they were oftentimes in opposition to the Roman government, governance because all they cared about was spreading the gospel, that was the main thing. That was their purpose. They understood their purpose. They understood that there was a greater shift, a greater plan taking place. And whether they were in Greece or Rome did not matter. What mattered was their message of who Christ is. My friends, are we missing this? How are we doing in the United States of America? Are we doing this well? Are we doing it poorly? How are you doing? As I've evaluated myself over the last year, I see moments of, of great shining, you know, yes, I did that well. And then moments where it's like, man, I could have done that better. I wish I wouldn't have had that particular conversation. That was unnecessary and unfruitful. Boy, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure if, if we're making any headway. 
What if we spent all of our time on our knees in prayer over our nation? And then the rest of the time we spent taking care of the poor, helping the sick, starting schools in our churches so that there is an option for believers to put their children in a place where they're not going to be indoctrinated. Instead of fighting fighting in the school system, start fighting to raise money so that your church can start a school. What if we had more funding available for people to receive therapy who are looking for it, godly Christian therapy, to get out of some of these headspaces of self-hate and fear? What if we started up community gardens where everybody could come together and have a communal experience with one another and be able to teach our kids what you can learn spiritually from a garden, from the seeds and how they grow, from how the plant life interacts with bugs and animals? What if we put our focus on what we could do to make the world a better place and maybe took a step back from Rome? I don't know. But I do know that if we continue to put our faith in Rome and what it's going to provide, we are going to continue down a path where we fail time and time again to promote the message of Christ and also, just frankly, to even promote goodness in the world. The answer is not in your politicians and it's not in who you vote for. The answer is not political. You guys, the answer is spiritual. And we need to be a people who points and directs people to the kingdom of God that is coming and maybe be less focused on all of the wickedness and evil that is going on in politics. I would say one place where the church could do amazing, amazing spiritual work and it will never get noticed, never get noticed by Rome or the kingdom of the world because Rome and the kingdom of the world make a lot of money on slavery. But I think if the church started focusing money and effort towards rescuing people and rehabilitating people out of human trafficking and sexual trafficking, we would be doing the work of the kingdom. Now, there are great organizations that do that. I can point you to OUR, um, which is one really trusted organization that's doing that. You should give some money to them, go and support them and their ministry. There are some local Colorado organizations that do that work as well. You can do some research and see which one of those you might want to help out. There are ones that specifically help women, um, some that specifically help children, that sort of thing. But, you know, this is a place, that is a place where the church should absolutely be fighting that battle, both on our knees and with our money. We should be rescuing people and freeing slaves. And um, I encourage you all to go see The Sound of Freedom, which I know came out today. I will be seeing it. These are real stories. This is actually happening. This is not something that you can close your eyes to. Uh, In the United States, we have lost 80,000 children uh, in the last few years under the Biden administration. That is egregious, and we have no idea what's happening to these kids. We don't know where they are. Churches should be adopting. We need to get into that business. We need to be adopting children. We need to be fostering children. We need to be rescuing slaves instead of, and you know, listen, I know that there are a lot of great ways to spend money at churches. I think you all know there's probably a lot of really wasteful ways to spend money at churches. And, you know, having excellence in in worship and excellence in preaching and wonderful places for children to learn about the Lord. I love all of these things, and I'm in support of all of them. Uh, Missions work, yes, I love it. But do you understand 
the missions work we have right here in our nation, in a place where I live in the state of Colorado. It's one of the top human trafficking locations in the country because it's dead center in the country. I don't think we understand what's right on our doorstep and what we keep looking away from because there's no money in it. There's no lobby groups for these people. There's nobody getting together who's going to benefit from rescuing these people. This is 100% cost. Guys, it's 100% worth it. Uh, I've just given you a laundry list of areas where I think we could put all of our political energy to very good spiritual use. You can come up with your own list, but perhaps on this 4th of July, again, as we are grateful for the freedom that we have, we can also put that freedom to good kingdom use and put our extra money into good kingdom use. And, you know, as I talk about it, I'm even thinking of new ways that I can start to do that more often. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be obedient to the Lord in this regard. God may have put something on your heart that you've been avoiding, that you have been looking away from, that you have not wanted to do. Do it today. Start now. For the good of this nation, for the good of your neighbors, and for the good of God's kingdom, let's be kingdom-minded people. Let's spend the next year uh, really shooting for the moon when it comes to our spiritual lives and our spiritual walk with the Lord, our obedience to Him, and our testimony in the kingdom. I hope this makes sense to you. I hope that you can see how we can both love the freedom that we have in this nation and critique its evils and then recognize that it's not a political solution that we need. We need spiritual revival, restoration, and return to the Lord so that God can bless us and God wants to bless us. And we will do that well when we turn our activities and our minds to areas where God's kingdom can be expanded and where his work needs to be done. And so I hope I've inspired you that maybe you know, through the next 4th of July, we each commit to some extra ministry work, some extra work, some extra help spreading the good news, helping to free the slaves, letting God use us to be true light, uh, bringers of light and salt to those who are desperately in need of this, to stop being a community that shames and blames people, and to start being a community that directs people to goodness and love and righteousness. Mm. I think we can do it. All right, y'all. I hope you have a wonderful 4th of July. I hope you get a chance to really celebrate today. And I will be back till next time.